Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One, two, three, four. Filled with awe and fright. See Jurassic right. Live in ember light. See Jurassic right. See Jurassic right. Right, right. See Peter, do you know what the sound a man makes when you stab him in the back? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, well, I do, Peter. Um, <laughs> welcome to see Tolkien, right? Question mark. <laughs> Oh. A special subset. Uh, I'm very excited to. Well, happy. I said. I think I texted our guest. Happy new roar, which doesn't work as well. Uh, you know, percast sign behind me. Just submitted the last episode, uh, so you know it's a transitionary time. Happy new year is a lot better. This person has been a guest on both of those podcasts many, many times. Has even helped edit some episodes of this podcast. Um, I want to get the reaction to me holding a dinosaur chicken nugget plush. And he has a very, uh, very fun YouTube channel. It's a really cool deep dive into not all trashy lit, but a lot of trashy lit. (laughs) It came from the page. (laughs) It's Andrew Roebuck. Hello, Stephen. Happy to be here with this amazing uh, chicken nuggy. I know, right? Obviously, it's a dinosaur and it's a sauropod. So it's a sauropod chicken nuggy, but... There is something very like 
speaking of hobbit size, you know, it comes in pints. Um, you know, like <laughs> that's speaking of dinosaurs. That's one of my favorite chapters in uh, Stephen Brusanti's, uh, like the his first rise and fall of the dinosaurs yes. is when he talks about Romania and apparently he said little dinosaurs in Romania. There's little dinosaurs. Just cute little guys. They're dinosaurs, but they were small. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're all small over there. They're so can, beautiful. Can you ma- I mean, this is how big Littlefoot is. Oh my God, it is. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very excited because it's been a minute since we've chatted on pod, I feel like. Yeah. Question. Yeah, but, uh, it's been since like probably since well, like September, October. Well, yes, September. that's right. Because you were, you officially became, well, no, I think. Megan Lincott ended up beating I you. think so. I think so. I think if you uh, go through it, like, because she got, what, six? Was she six? Yeah, because she had been every year since 2017, yeah. basically. Yeah. But you I mean, were, and that's fair. Like, that's good. That's how. That's the person who should hold the crown. <laughs> you know what I mean? You clo- But you closed out because you did the last two Halloween episodes of the Percast, which feels very appropriate. But I wanted to, I just wanted to chat with you and kick off the year because this will be coming out in January, just because... You know, this is the time where you sort of start to think about, you know, the beginning of the year, what we're doing. Yeah. How we're, what yeah. are we doing? What are we doing with our lives, Stephen? <laughs> yeah, I'm currently working on, I mean, obviously we posted, but there is my beautiful Mementiosaurus friend right there. Aww, uh, I love so, him. Again, just to date it. And I found this, well, I wanted to show you too. I found this glorious, like, 80s um, oh, dinosaur. I think there's like a whole set of like, it's just a dinosaur book from our childhood kind of style book. That's awesome. I think you would really like it as far as like kind of just it because you've read books from animals perspective. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Carnosaur, right, is from that? Or no, not no, Carnosaur. No, uh, red, ra- the, ra- Raptor Red? Raptor Red is. I have not actually read that oh, okay. one yet. <laughs> I haven't read Raptor Red. <laughs> but this is basically like a five-page short story about like Mimichisaurus, oh. da-da-da. Oh, I kind of didn't really I... mention it that much in the episode, but um, I don't know. I thought you would be delighted to see I it. am delighted. 80s, like an early paleontology art goes so hard. And it's just like, I love it so much. Like, I love the way that the classical paleontology make dinosaurs look. Because they're always in, like, action poses. Yeah. And they're, like, going through some water. And she's like, boom, Where I like, I feel like, again, it's awesome. I love all dinosaur art. But I feel like sometimes modern dinosaur, like, books are a little bit more like textbooks. Where they're like, here is size of person compared to dinosaur. And it's just like, yeah, but like, I want to see the dinosaur like dancing or something. Like, I want to see like, you know, go going to the movies with his friends. You know, you want to see a dab, you know, <laughs> dabasaur, no, real dabasaurus. <laughs> actually, everyone stops listening as soon as we talk about. Yeah, dabasaurus. this is how we kick off the year. No, but actually, I was thinking a lot because I've been. You have always been a consummate researcher. Um, and everything have. you do. It's, it's a problem. It can get a problem, especially when it's like I because I do a lot of novelizations like that's my current obsession, one yeah. of my current obsessions. And it's a problem when you just suddenly discover something has a novelization and you're like, no one else is going to talk about this. I guess I have to find the novelization <laughs> for the the Doom movie starring The Rock that no one remembers. <laughs> and I was like, there's a movie novelization. I gotta buy it. I gotta buy it. Uh, I recently, I bought three books that were completed a trilogy of uh, books based off of a multiplayer online game that you can no longer play anymore. They made a series of three books for it. Oh, wow. That's impressive. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I had, you know, again, I've done a lot of work with Magic the Gathering lately. And one of the things about 
that was that I read the novelizations because they oh, made novels based yes. on the sets for a while. I don't know if they. Oh, they, really? That's awesome. They, there's a great podcast called the Magic Story Podcast that kind of does a similar thing where they kind of go into the lore and the flavor text a lot more. The gals over there are really great, Harless and Natalie. But, oh, um, awesome. you know, it's just this thing of like, this is my, you know, the, you know, this set comes out and they would release a book for the set and it would be like a story. Oh, that's cool. They did a, uh, like a, like a, a board game. I don't know if it was a board game or whatever. It's like Wizards of the Coast, right? Like that's who yeah. it was. Back in the like early 2000s, they did something called Dark Matter, which was oh, yeah. their version of, uh, basically of X-Files, but like of their own and like yeah, their yeah, own yeah. things. And there was a series of novels released uh, for that. And I recently like bought some of the <laughs> novels for that. And I was like, what? I didn't even know this thing existed. And I would buy novelizations of it. Why, why do we like trash? Uh- <laughs> It's it's a character flaw or a character strength, depending on who you are. We're all I mean, just like, raccoons for pop culture. <laughs> I feel like I like I feel like millennials. When you look at like the news every day, is like I guess we're all living in trash. Some we got to find something to enjoy about it. I think there's something to. Well, my voice just cracked. Right? I think there's something, I think uh, there's Mr. Something. Simpson. <laughs> no, I I, th- I definitely think there is something to. I don't know. It's it's a thing maybe about having money too, where it's just like I kind of love rescuing trash toys rather than paying five hundred dollars for like a Tony Stark maquette that you're like, yeah, am I going to keep this I, on my coffee table for the next twenty years? Probably not. And I think so. One of the things is you know I always talk about how like I, I love trash and I like I love doing things that people call trash, but like every once in a while you sifting through it, you find a gold like a piece of gold, and you're like. I loved this. I am absolutely, I absolutely love, like, like when I, when I picked up the Star Wars, the ruins of Dantooine, which is a Star Wars galaxy tie-in novel that online people say is the worst Star Wars book ever written. And I read it like expecting to be like it being trash and like being bad. And then I'm like, I loved this. (laughs) So it's just like, I, I always find it interesting when you're kind of like sorting through things that like are discarded and it's almost like, Hey, maybe we should take another look at this weird thing. That was kind of fun. (laughs) Well, and sometimes you notice too. I mean, I think when we look at the, the way Star Wars has been going in a way that because the people who are making them, they also like trash as well. They're making things relevant that, maybe were made fun of at the time. I think of a really big example being courtship, courtship of princess Leia. Like honestly having, cause I reread that recently when I was, you know, uh, when I was doing the star Wars, uh, book podcast briefly, but it was like, even in Ahsoka this summer, there were like so many like references and details and things where they were like, Oh, like at the time, like I remember I was, too young to read it when it came out, but I definitely, but it was one of the first Star Wars books I read. So somewhere between, you know, 96, no, I definitely read it when the special editions came out. So 97, you know, 98, 99, around that time I read it. And I remember, like, I remember the talk about it being like, this was the bad, this was the bad Star Wars novel. Cause it's like this weird romantic comedy situation with, you know, writing rancors and, all this stuff. And I'm not saying that the book is that great or anything, but. But it's different. It's like it, a, it's, yeah, it's like a unique style of a thing that you think you knew everything about, you know? Yeah. Kind of- and it's just also that idea of like, and I wonder, even when you're reading the novelizations, if there is like a disparity between, 
like, is there a better novelization of a movie like the, than the movie that it came from? There is, but the easiest way to, to, to compare this is there's a video game. The video game novelization, that's 10 times better than the video game. It's just, I feel like that's more, because like, it feels like when, when you talk about movies, it's like, when I say something's a bad movie, maybe someone else doesn't just be a little bit, you know, a little bit subjective. With video games, if the video game has terrible controls or doesn't play good, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind yeah. of like, it's you can universally be like, that was kind of a bad game. So there is this game called Fire Warrior, which was this Warhammer game. Okay. And you play as the alien fighting against the humans. Like, the alien is the good guy, like, fighting against the humans. Oh, cool. And it's kind of a fun idea, but the game is like, Really bad. The game is like kind of like unplayable, not not enjoyable at all. Like even me who likes trash, I was like, I cannot play this game. So I I went into the mo- like the book knowing that, and the book ends up being this hilarious commentary on first person shooters as a genre, where oh. it like goes through it. It's like talking about like what would it be like psychologically for a person to go through what you're doing? Because, like, in, in first-person shooters, like, crazy things happen all the time, and it's like, you just mowed down, like, 20 guys while you, like, run into the da-da-da. And, like, the book starts sitting down, and it's like, what would it be like to actually do that as a person? And it's like, there's actually some pretty complex character writing where I'm like, oh, wow. you didn't need to do this. <laughs> like, this works, and this is effective, but you didn't need to do this. And, like, they write in this whole, like, backstory about, like, how it's like, yeah, he was just, has a really bad dad, and it's like, it felt like the guy was also, like, the guy who wrote this was also going through some daddy issues, but, like, Whoa. he goes through it in, like, some, <laughs> not that way, uh, but, like, in a way that was, like, pretty Not great. fun daddy and, like, issues. No, no, not the fun one. Uh, but, uh, and then the as it goes on, it also uh, acknowledges how ridiculous it is, like how quick all those things happen because it like starts going on, like how exhausted he is and like how like in between missions, he's just like passed out. Oh, wow, he, that like, actually sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah. And it's just very, it's a very fun way of doing something that like objectively when you writing that, you know, you're kind of writing a, like a, a trashy book. Like nobody writes a first person shooter novelization, uh, like thinking that they're making like the Taj Mahal or the Citizen Kane. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's yeah. just like, uh, it, you, and it's just interesting to see someone work within that and then actually tell some interesting stories in it and like come to some, I was like surprisingly moving <laughs> character beats, well, which is like very surprising. No, and I, I you bring up a great point that like we li- we don't live in a vacuum, and so sometimes the best creative work comes under constraints. I mean, uh, yeah. like, hearing about the idea that David Fincher wanted to do a World War Z sequel, mostly because he just was like, anything I can do to get my to maybe get a sci-fi movie off the ground like i don't think like studios don't care about originality anymore but what if i can sneak in and he's like one of our you know most successful living you know auteurs in that way and he's like they still they don't want to make anything by me anymore like i guess i'll do a world war z sequel and maybe it could have been good because it's like elevating that material and he, and he, his career really started with Alien 3 too, yes, right? Like, yeah, no, of course. And, and like that was, of course, like a very, like horrible production for him. But <laughs> that's yeah. My phone, that's my phone background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's just, it's very interesting where like, you know, I almost feel like sometimes writing those kind of novels is almost like, you know, if you were trying to get into journalism back in the day and having to write like listicles and like do like terrible art and like, 
some of those listicles were pretty good, but you know, yeah, like yeah. The, they were like, they were like, you have to get this done because we just need this many clicks to get the SEO. You say this, this, and this. But then inside, sometimes there would be like some pretty good writing and some pretty good articles within it, right? So it's yeah. almost like that kind of like back in the day of if you're like kind of working a job and you're like, all right, top time times, Greedo shot first. Yeah, I mean, I still enjoy my gender swap Jurassic Park article I wrote for some website that doesn't exist anymore. But actually, yeah. it made me think of this idea too, the video game front, where I think it's very funny. And I, I sent you the Jurassic Park survival trailer, right? Yes, you did. It looked but, but it's really so funny cool. because for the, you know, when the Jurassic Park games first came out, like Limited Run is doing, you know, they're re releasing all yeah. the Sega and uh, NES and SNES games. And you're just like, uh, you know, you're just like mowing down <laughs> dinosaurs. And I mentioned this in my trailer <laughs> breakdown, but you just made me think like that the technology has changed enough that maybe the reason that was that like Universal or whoever was holding back from allowing more licensed games was because they were like, oh, the Jurassic Park audience, we don't want to be, we don't want to mow down dinosaurs anymore. Right. That's not the point of those movies. Like, yes, seeing people get eaten is fun, but we care too much about the dinosaurs now on some level. So obviously the park sim was kind of the safest thing to do over the years. Yeah, that's a good point. But then Alien Isolation, which has been cited as a kind of an influence to this game. It's like, oh, we know how to make video games where you can maybe capture the feel of this property like and and it can be done well whereas like yeah in the 90s like the sega genesis game which was my jurassic park video game where it's just like grant just being like and it's like <laughs> they're all like falling asleep but not all of them you know like they're no, all not all clips and stuff and like some of them ain't waking up that's yeah. for sure <laughs> you're like i just injected like 50 horse tranquilizers into the t-rex like he's just like even sarah harding would give up you know but i yeah that's it's funny that you're yeah, that like element that maybe things like can only be trash until technology changes or, you know, or vice versa. You know, it's like, look, we just want to make trash because maybe there's something inherent to the property that is more fun this way. You know, it is fun to mow yeah. down. Like, that's always the thing, right, that people complain about Star Wars video games where it's like people want to see realistic lightsaber stuff in like Jedi Survivor. And it's just like. But you can't. That's awful. That's yeah, horrifying I, to think about the reality yeah, of that. If you there's like I think it's like Star Wars Squadron. It's like one of those like more modern day Star Wars games. And like it tried to like do like a realistic like empire. Like it was like a starfighter game, kind of like Rogue Squadron back oh, in yeah, the day, yeah. but like with like great graphics, so it all looked really real. But like when you're playing as the Empire, it's like get bonus points for destroying the medical frigates. And I'm like, I'm I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm not doing that. And like it's kind of interesting where like it was such a good empire simulator that you didn't have as much fun playing it because you're like, yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. It's just like when you're fighting the rebellion, it's like, yeah, let's get them. They asked me to blow up a medical freighter. Again. Let's get them. But like when you're playing the empire, I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't like this. Yeah. Well, and then in other games, it's way more fun to be bad, you know? It is, it is. Like, well, especially, like, Star Wars, like, Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, yeah. right? Like, back in, like, they would do, like, the Ultra Mega Sith. You could do so many fun things. Did you did you play that? 
a little bit, a yeah. little bit, a little bit. Or I used to always play like when you when you're talking about your star, like your Jurassic Park game back up with the Sega Genesis ones. I mine was really that the Lost World top down like uh well what is it called like it's like a real time strategy game where you're like on the island and like you like build a base and you like go and you like fight the dinosaurs and it's all lost world oh. and they have like okay is it chaos theory or something is it oper- is the name? operation genesis is no that- no but i did play a lot it's of that a, it's not a part it's not a park builder oh i don't know what video game this is it's basically like you play as like the everyone on the lost world and you like build up bases and like armies and like you gotta like fight through the fight the poachers and stuff like that and you have like system was this for it was for pc i had it for pc and i remember you could like click on all the characters and like just they would just like say a whole bunch of things and one of them was like am i gonna die in the movie i die chaos island yeah and i think that's eddie like because because in the movie eddie does so if you keep clicking on eddie and he goes Am I gonna die? Oh, in no. the movie, I died. <laughs> Wait, did you like, know Michael so Giacchino did the music for that game? I did not. That's amazing. Gosh, she's awesome. been really part of the Jurassic franchise forever. I, mean, I feel like it was—it's kind of popular knowledge that he did the Lost World, the the main Lost World tie-in game, and Warpath. I think. Oh, uh, right. Freaking Warpath. That's ridiculous. Now that's trash. That is straight up trash. No, it's Mortal Kombat with, with dinosaurs. Or Rampage, <laughs> which was a great, which was I really loved growing up as a kid. Yep. Or Primal Rage. There was Primal Rage. Or Primal Rage. Excuse me. That's what I was thinking. But also Rampage. Did you know that Primal Rage had a canceled sequel? Yes. yes. And it was made into a novel. There was a novelization of the no. sequel, and it goes for hundreds of dollars online. I this was is hard Andrew's up- whole thing, listeners. Andrew loves like a good, like a juicy tie-in novel that never for something. I mean, especially something like that that has never seen the light. Because I think I've watched a video on that Primal Rage sequel where it was like they did claymation full stop motion for this game, and it didn't come out. And it didn't about and somebody took the story of that wrote a novel and it was called like the avatars or whatever and i once went to a a store and i found two copies of it at their used bookstore and like i sent one to a random person and then i took the other one and then i was like really hard up on cash one time so i just like had to like put it online and like i put it like low like i think i put it for like the like 70 or something where it's like way lower than it was and it went far past 200 dollars oh my god uh be very nice here you go enjoy this primal rage not priceless artifact Someone's uh, got it sitting in a museum right now. It's just- oh my gosh. I mean, yeah, I know. I just held up the Lost World Jurassic Park strategy guide, oh, um, which amazing. I never I never owned a PlayStation. So I would play it like at my friend's house and stuff. But um, yeah, no, it's 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 interesting that maybe for Jurassic Park, at least they've like figured out how to do Jurassic Park games. Well, I mean, and I really enjoyed, you know, it was a sponsored situation with the MetaQuest and the Jurassic World game there. You know, it was it was going in the right direction as far as like, yeah, the the dinosaurs can be like the xenomorph. It's this like singular killer thing. And, you know, that's creepy. creepy. Like that was playing playing that game in like the the headset. And like you're like, oh, Jesus, like hiding like in a thing. Uh, I you have you played Alien Isolation? I have, and I've also heard the novelization. Yes, <laughs> it's 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 like half of an interesting novelization because it's very clear that they weren't that interested in 
novelizing the video game portions, but they have all this prequel stuff that is about Amanda's Ripley growing up that is like super well written and interesting. But as soon as it gets to the actual video game, it's like not not good. It was not a good novelization. Yeah. But it's so interesting because it's like they had a book they clearly wanted to write where they like put this whole thing and it's like all about her like growing up in Vancouver and what it was like Ellie Ripley was like as a mom and like what their home life was like. Like what was her dad like? And it was like all these like and it's like again people dealing with daddy issues in. in <laughs> in tie-in novels. It's universal. That's amazing. I need to make a list of, like, top ten novels. <laughs> top ten daddy issues in sci-fi. Um, <laughs> that's but, hilarious. Yeah, but I did. I, I That game scared the baboobs dust at me. It was, like, so scary. I never beat it because it was too scary. There's one point where, like, you're literally supposed to stay still while the, like, alien, like, comes up and he's supposed to like look at you and it's like it's supposed to be like the cinematic moment where he's like comes in the alien's like looking at you but I'm like every time he gets close I'm like I gotta run I gotta run I gotta run I kept dying and then like I watched that playthrough of it like years later and it's like no I was in the right spot to hide it was just supposed to be a cinematic they're supposed to look at you and then go away kind of thing but like I got so scared every time I got close and I just kept dying because oh. I was like get me away from these monsters I mean because that could be really exciting with Jurassic where it's like you know again I mean, maybe they'll even like have a vision is based on movement, like Rexy situation, like they'll yeah. build that into like an actual yeah. mechanic. Yeah, it's like it's it's interesting because it's like almost like you know it's like this is what Dino Crisis could have been like if it was released in like the modern modern day because like Dino Crisis was trying to be like an old school Resident Evil and it was it was it was like a fun Resident Evil but like it was never scary like because like Resident Evil some of those were scary like the oh my God, Resident yeah. Evil pretty scary Dino Crisis never really got the horror element super right and it was like and they knew that right away because the sequel is just like everyone's got a gun the guns have got guns <laughs> and like everyone's getting and it's like a it's like a Blood, 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 blood. Uh, but the uh, the original one was trying to be scary and I just really couldn't do it. So like I'm kind of excited about finally getting like a, a true blue, scary, spooky uh, uh, Jurassic Park and dinosaur game. Because I don't know if there's been any like good horror game. Well, I mean, there's I mean, that's the thing. Alien Isolation is something like that where like I love watching people play scary games. So, I mean, that's kind of how Subnautica got its start as like, oh, yeah. you know, a lot of people, it got really popular. I mean, basically it was saved by Let's Players from bankruptcy. That's amazing. People like Jack Septicai and like uh, Mark Plyer and stuff. Like it was, it was one of those like alpha ba- in beta or whatever kind of games. And then because these huge YouTube streamers like poured, you know, people poured in to support them. And basically, oh, wow. I mean, that, they, they've gone on record as big like, yeah, if it wasn't for these youtubers like we would have been bankrupt you know and we the game probably would never would have come out which is wild that's to me. wild and like subnautica is one of the most watchable games ever like to watch someone else play it is like so captivating because like <laughs> i i was like i just like clicked on a video once and i didn't look at the runtime at first and i was just like, watching the video i was like wow this is captivating and i'm like how long is the runtime four hours oh i maybe i won't watch it and then i'm like no i watched the four hours of the person playing yeah, wow. subnautica i mean, just sat, sat down and watched it i was like this is great i love this yeah i mean that i mean i think that's why i got so obsessed with it because i had already had been watching people playing it for years and thought and i i never thought i was gonna play it because I wasn't playing video games at the time and then uh and then they announced it for the Switch. So and then I then then now I play it like that's my comfort game now. <laughs> Comforting being in the ocean and you know 
There's something very freeing huge. about being underwater, you know? And just hearing the rump, soft rumblings of a huge thing in the background. Yeah, <laughs> coming after you. Um, I wanted to ask too, because we were also kind of jumping back and forth with research and like, I've been trying to follow your model a little bit. And then it's like, I have all this on my, uh, wait, here, like all this stuff on my I desk. Am. I'm researching for this Memento nice. Source episode I'm going to put out. Nice. But when you're, the thing that I've noticed, because like the Jurassic Park is queer cinema, and then that little kind of behind the scenes review of Jurassic Punk, I've noticed are you, are you coming across stuff that is wrong online? Oh, yes. So what what I normally do, so like I was like the biggest research project that I ever took on was for that original King Kong. Yeah. And there and like there have been misinformation about King Kong since the very beginning. When that movie first came out, there was a fake popular mechanics for kids episode. Well, not for, sorry, not, 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 not that. I mean, like in the popular mechanics for adults yes. yeah. back in the day. That'd be hilarious if it was like a, here we are, the set of King Kong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Popular mechanics for kids, you know. <laughs> Get your cigarettes in. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But King there was Kong like, says light them up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but there was like these fake making ofs even back then when it first came out. So what I had to do when I was doing that big research project is there are a few big, huge King Kong books about all the making of. But what I had to do is I then had to find all I had to go into the sources at the back of the book and track down each and every one of those to find out because yes. some things are long running myths. Like there was a uh, article about, so like the King Kong rights are always messed up where it was like, is the novelization public domain? Maybe it's this yeah. version. Public domain. And like, I had come across an essay that was like the, uh, the mystery magazine novelization, which is different than the full novelization. It's a novelization that only appeared in a magazine back in the Whoa. day. Um, there's actually two of them. Uh, <laughs> and, a, and a third newspaper, a London Daily Herald thing where it's like each day they would release a different part of the, and it would be written oh, cool. like a news story. It's oh, actually yeah. really cool. I had to track that down, which is, was very cool. But there had been an article that said that the thing that was in public domain was the mystery magazine thing. So I had to track down where that rumor started, and that rumor started in a awful, awfully written article about that was like way back in the day where I think it was like the New Yorker or something was okay. like covering the uh, the court case between Universal and Delo De Laurentiis okay, over the nineteen seventy six Kong. Yeah, and at the very end of that thing, they're saying lawyers think it might have been uh, <laughs> the mystery magazine thing that is actually in public domain. And then I had to talk to my friend who was a lawyer, and he went through the court documents for the King Kong versus like Universal versus Nintendo for the Donkey Kong lawsuit because. They oh, back yeah. in the day they tried yeah, to sue yeah. them over Donkey Kong, and in that thing they have to go through all the rights and like specifically put it out. And it was like that's where you find Oof. it's is the that, novelization. That is is that so satisfying when you track down? Because <laughs> I just and I didn't say I was going to complain anymore on this episode, but it's just one of those things where. So I'm trying. I, I don't know if I'm trying to be delicate, but it's just like it's just frustrating because it's like even in this thing I'm working on. It's like, oh, I heard, uh, I, uh, at, at the time, you know, Mementiosaurus is like one of the, it's on the sh a shrinking list 
of dinosaurs in the original Jurassic Park movies that hasn't been represented in the future of the franchise at all. It's been, you know, an evolution. Um, it's, sh it's showed up. Where else has it showed up? It showed up in a few other places. I mean, obviously the big reason I'm doing the episode is because the toy, they made the, the action figure this year. And I just was like screaming, like crying, throwing up, like, Oh my gosh, she's beautiful. And like, why did they make a toy of this sauropod that shows up for one scene and like maybe five shots total? There's two of them. And you see Ludlow and Lost World be like, wow, you know, and they have the motorcycle drive through the legs and everything. But like, you know, over the last couple of years, there was like, again, just like these rumors of like it was going to show up in Jurassic World Dominion and stuff and it was cut or there was concept art or whatever. And I was like, they released this, these really, these two very totemic, um, I believe James Mottram wrote both. Like, I'm holding up these giant books, uh, these giant making of books, which it was like the first time they ever made a making of all the Jurassic World films. And this this uh, James Mottram behind the scenes Jurassic Park visual history. I mean, it was really built off the backbone of Jody Duncan, an icon, you know, one of my favorite researchers, writers, article. You know, she was the head editor, I think, of Cinefax for many years, maybe still is at this point. I don't know. I'm like, if anybody knows Jody Duncan, I would love to interview her. She is like one. I think Cinefax ended a few years ago. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Cinefax has ended. But it's one of those things where like, and maybe you can talk about your process when you go into that stuff, because it was like, okay, I heard a rumor that Mementosaurus is going to be, and this is a peak because I don't talk about any of this in the, the episode I put out. I'm just kind of talking about the joy that is that dinosaur. But it was like one of those things where... I very much had to like, okay, I hear this. Where did it come from? Uh, then I went like to, I was like, well, because it came out like, or this rumor came out around when this book came out, I was like, well, I'll go through that and look around. And it was like, nowhere to be found. And then again, like track it down to, and again, I think it's like a mix of, in the way that we create content now, I think sometimes people make a lot of aspirational leaps when it's there's it's not really there and it bugs me when people are like well this implies that this like you were saying before about the the king kong novelization or the the article you know the magazine and it's just this thing of like but but now like you've seeded this rumor in people's minds and now people take it as fact and a lot of people anyway i could go on the but. The, the biggest thing for me to like talk about that that idea is uh this is you know more king kong but godzilla's there as well he a dinosaur okay godzilla's dinosaur. yeah yeah uh, <laughs> in the original king kong versus godzilla from the, the 1960s there was for decades a rumor that in the Japanese version, Godzilla won. In the English North American version, King Kong won. Wow. This rumor is still widely republished. Like so many, I run across this to this day, hundreds upon hundreds of times. Uh, I'm not looking up that much, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like yeah. it's like it's like if you if you're just looking up like a basic thing that mentions it, and like and it'll it'll mention this. And for years, I was like, where did this start? And it started. Back in the day, in Famous Monsters of Filmland, they had an article and they said that in the article. And Famous Monsters of Filmland is not really a journalistic source. It was kind of meant for kids to like 
imagine fun stuff with the movie monsters and stuff like that, right? So they were very fun to go back and read, but the problem is people took that as like a a, a journalistic source when it's not really what Forrest J. Ackerman was doing. He was more having fun getting all the props from all these movies and nerding out, really. Like he was, like, the first thought that they were doing was not about fact-checking at all, but because it was so famous back in the day and everyone read, the, well, famous monsters, uh, so everyone met, read that magazine as a kid, it became just lore and a fact and everyone still thinks that way even though we do now the criterion version does have the japanese cut on it and yeah it, there's no difference in the ending but <laughs> it's like for decades it was like that so well and and to that point too because it's like there's obviously these mandela effect sort of feelings of like you know a big jurassic park one is there was a shot in the film itself at one point like when it was in theaters where you see Rexy instead of popping out and just grabbing one of the Raptors. And then, you know, that classic great surprise of <laughs> Andrew's reenacting. And so am I, um, that there was a shot of Rexy like beforehand, like going through the hole in the oh, building. Yes. Yes. But I think it's a little bit of a Mandela effect because the Raptor lifts its head on the tarp, you know, that plastic tarp or whatever. But it's like, that's not true. It's never been true. Like, there are people older that can confirm it. Again, our memories are shit. And, but, but I think to me, it's, I guess I have an issue now. And again, it's not like this stuff is like the most important thing in the world. Obviously, there's more important misinformation happening. Yeah, but, I but think it, it's, it is endemic of how things all like it makes you kind of think about how all things in our lives are like there are so much stuff in like you, the real important things in life that like you need to have researchers who do that level of work there right and it's yeah. like it all kind of trickles down where it's like we're just talking about movies and things that don't, yeah. don't matter that much but the thing is sometimes that misinformation spreads and the way that it's done if they do good, they get get money, and then someone else goes, "Oh, I can just write a book like that and get my." And then, like, eventually, like a journalist is covering the most serious thing imaginable and not doing their homework and and doing all that. And again, in journalism right now, it's it's very hard to be doing investigative journalism because nobody has the money for it. Nobody pays yeah. you to do it anymore. So I I, I do feel for for them, right? Yeah. It's like, it, but yeah, no, I mean, it's there's a lot stacked up against people. It just yeah, you know, it just it's just one of those things where it just feels like. I always want to get, I don't know. It's like, you want to get to the bottom of this stuff a little bit because yeah. you want to know the the truth. You want to know the truth. You can't handle the truth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, uh, I can't remember what the rumor was. There was a really great Joe Johnston rumor about, I think Jurassic park four. Growing. Was that the, was that the one where they, they, everyone thought that it was just going to be like a, a robot cyborg robot dinosaur well that, i mean that, that ended true? up being real the, the <laughs> oh that was the, real the, well, the, the script about the half human half dinosaur hybrid soldier team like that was all real i've read that script how, but, how was um, was it as good as it sounds <laughs> honestly speaking i were bringing it full circle honestly there was some elements from that trash that were used in fallen kingdom and dominion oh and, that's like, kind of cool like the notion of the can of embryos like it makes a bigger deal in like because that draft, the John Sayles draft, I believe is a screenwriter who wrote that. Like, there's, they go back to the island and get the embryos, you know, and then there's like a, a secret mountain, like Alps villa kind of situation. So a little bit of a mix of like the mansion in 
uh, oh. Fallen Kingdom, and then a little bit of the Dotson headquarters, you know, Bios yeah. headquarters, and you yeah. know, and stuff like that. Interesting. But yeah, there's it's always like weaving its way back in. I mean, as much as I trash the Telltale Jurassic Park game, and it's trash, and I'll never stop saying it's trash, and everyone should fight me for it, and I will fight all of you like a big pile of zombies and just burst my way out. Um, but no, I actually ended up watching somebody play through, and I'm like, this is kind of fun, but kind of stupid. Like, the idea of Sarah Harding being Jerry Harding, you know, the, you know, who's with uh, Ellie Sattler, who is the, oh my gosh, what's the right word for it? Who's taking care of the Triceratops. Right, They're like, right. oh, like, that's, that's Sarah Harding's dad. And I'm like, none of the Lost World would make any sense if Sarah Harding had been to Jurassic Park. And, oh like, at the same <laughs> time, also, that would true. make her, like, a child to Ian Malcolm's kid. It was just, it's such a lore. I mean, I used to be such a big fan of that idea, but it's so lore breaking that it's like, you can't. It don't math. The math don't math, as they say. <laughs> and I was going to say, I think, or maybe this might be, now we're talking about research and citing your sources and stuff, but I believe there is some elements of that game that have sort of weaved their way into the modern Jurassic world canon but it's not that that game is canon it's just that like elements. oh people like those elements yeah like like mount saibo okay. uh, the the volcano the name of the volcano and the dress oh oh that's a yeah because like that that's almost what's going on with star wars right now especially like as they go through it's like and we've got thrawn back those books where he appeared originally those aren't canon but he's back and actually the same writer wrote some more books that write up that are in canon and you're like huh oh, okay i mean sometimes i feel like that have you seen the meme of the cat that's like huh yeah yeah huh Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, sometimes we're trying to figure out what is canon in Star Wars can be like that. Well, I mean, but. yeah, I feel like, I mean, I, I don't need, I'm not even in the mood to talk about Marvel stuff right now, but like. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Podcast The Ride brought up with this as a very good point that they told that first story in some ways so well that everyone, I think Mike Carlson said, he was like, oh, we're done now. Like after Endgame, like we finished the story and Marvel's like, no, 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 wait, like this is supposed to continue forever. We like we did a too good a job with Endgame, you know, in that regard. And I I find that very delightful. But I think overall, again, when I when I wanted to chat with you and kick off this year was just I think this is like the good intention, you know, New Year's resolution stuff of like, I think we should be 
you know, we don't need to be rude to people, although maybe I have been passive aggressive and rude in this episode to some extent. But it is <laughs> I mean, just I like I don't think you've been that rude, Steve. I although I sometimes will be cheeky and I'm like, you know, commenting on whoever's Jurassic community members Instagram or uh YouTube or whatever and being like, Oh, like this is awesome. Like we're like link to the source, maybe, <laughs> you know? I don't know. It's just Well, it's it's even like it well, especially like Sometimes, you know, artwork gets stolen a lot. And now yeah, the AI just, yeah. is still like, and now AI is stealing the artwork. It's just like, you know, all of these things. Like, it's like the source matters always, whether you're po- reposting like a webcomic silly thing or whatever. You know what I mean? Just like, put it in the description. Nobody reads the descriptions. Nobody reads the titles, but just, just, just do it. Just, just do it. It's just somewhere. good karma, I think, just a little bit karma. too. Yeah. You can be wrong about your assumptions. And I, you know, I like, Again, it's maybe just an attitude situation and it doesn't matter. And people, certainly people just want to walk into things thinking they're correct. But if they admit that they're wrong, that's great too. You know, and I do appreciate that new rock stars, you know, that Eric Voss at the end of the year be like, here's what I was wrong about, you know, like, because he is posting a lot of stuff that comes at it from a very like, based on all the information we have, here's what I know. My problem sometimes is like, but we're the we're public, so we don't know everything. So it's hard. I mean, that's the whole, you know, I think this year with C Jurassic, right? And I was talking to Brad Jost about this from the Jurassic Park podcast, where it's like, I think some I think some of us are just tired on speculating on things. Yeah. And it's like yeah. I, I almost want to would rather get into the meat. Uh, of, you know, stuff, so to speak, to make it feel like, less disposable, you know? Especially with, like, Jurassic Park. We're at the point where Jurassic Park, there's years upon years of random weird things you can go <laughs> and latch onto and dissect, right? Like, you know, there's everything from the wackiest comics you've ever read to, like... <laughs> well, I start to ride in a helicopter. That's all I do. Piloting a helicopter, that's all I said. <laughs> <laughs> to like very serious movies and 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 tie in books that are like really well written and like in depth and like add to the overall story of the thing. So like shout out Tess Sharp. I just I just think that there are uh, elements that like especially now it's like you you speculate speculation is like you know there's there's so much to do. It's like it's sometimes like it's the same with like Alien. Like I used to do Alien podcasts and it's like there is never going to be a shortage of Alien content to. Uh, cover because there's like so many comics and novelizations of the comics which are usually better than the comics but it's an entirely different thing uh but, but anyways <laughs> i mean alien alien has its own you've i think we were texting the other like william gibson's script has been oh, turned yeah. into an audio drama and, a, and, a, and a comic book and a novelization but the novelization is from a different draft than the audio drama wow <laughs> and it's so it's complicated but uh the novelization is the best one because the first draft <laughs> of that script is the best oh. <laughs> that's my opinion but <laughs> i think a lot of people have gotten burnt out from doing a week long uh, a weekly podcast yeah. for now you know i mean again the percast we closed out our run um i think by the time this comes out it'll be this week or something like that but you know eight and a half years and obviously that was zero research and zero i mean I want to be able to celebrate the community and the ways that we can add to the conversation versus like, what is this thing not doing for me? Because I mean, again, not to bring up Marvel again, but I think it's that thing where like, I remember when, you know, the last, like those newer seasons of X-Files came out and when Game of Thrones really like tanked, you know, (laughs) and it's just like this thing of like, I think a lot of people aren't willing to 
say when they're done with something that maybe they liked a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's like, for me, it's like, you know, eventually Marvel just didn't work for me as much anymore. So I just, instead of being like, I can't believe I'm going to make a 10-part series on how Marvel's <laughs> gone down the hill. I was like, nah, I'm just going to, like, move on to something else that I like. And, like, you know, the people who like those, hey, it's awesome. Good for you. You know, it's like, it's like a sunk costs fallacy is a fallacy, right? Like, because it's like you, sometimes if you're like, you've done, like, read 30 books, if you're not enjoying them, if you're not enjoying the f- five of these books in a series, you don't have to read the whole thing. You can just call it. If you're not enjoying every every single season of a show, you can still love the seasons of the show you did, but you don't have to keep watching. Like, yeah. it's it's like, you know, you just kind of, sometimes you just got to let go. Yeah. Let this go. all, again, feels very New Year's, like, you know, live with intentionality. And, you know, it's just that thing of, like, especially because... <laughs> Got to us in November. Here's the 10 things we yeah, hate yeah. about the new... I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I think the Dominion, I think, broke my brain a little bit. If you go to the Jurassic Park podcast, Brad just and I talked for like four hours and he split it up into three episodes. It was so much fun. But it's that thing of like, again, the the cycle of being excited and anticipating and all that stuff, you know, as fans of things, because it was like, oh, it's coming out here. Like and then like three months out or something, it was like, psych, you know, actually, it's going to come out a year later. Or to or how I don't even remember what the whole I don't even need to relitigate it, but it was just one of those things of like, oh, okay, well, what do we do with our time now? You yeah, know, and exactly. it's like, you know, how can I, uh, you know, making this podcast, how can I make it interesting and fulfilling without? I mean, I just got very lucky that when I started it, it was like really getting back into liking Jurassic Park after Jurassic World came out, like getting excited for that that uh, for Fallen Kingdom and how yeah. the community itself kind of rose up as like we adults were like yes we will still like dinosaurs uh but yeah we don't have that to anchor us right now and i'm like well what do i want to do with that time well i think that uh some of my favorites episodes from that first season was you rereading your old fan fiction right and like that was that was like a fun you getting people in they like read their own fashion and then they like they then then you like have them on and just talk about movies or whatever like the movies they like so like i think like even even if you're looking back to your original first season of the podcast i think you did a great job with not just being the leader no, no, like, i think sure. you did like a lot of like little cool unique things and unique perspectives on things so like i think you're always doing a Great job, thank Stephen. you, thank you, sir. I well, it's that thing. It's the sequel problem, right? It's like the first one you have to do, right? You have right. to. There's something inside you that's compelling you. Whereas, yeah, ever since then, I felt like, well, what do I want to, you know? But um, I know it's so funny because Stephanie Cook, who also was a very big podcast guest and has been has been a big C Jurassic Right supporter and has been a guest, she just posted her Fan Fiction Friday like throwback because oh. Is that Loomis? Yes, that's Loomis. I just thought Loomis is tail. But yeah, like she just posted like six years ago or whatever was when was when. Oh, yeah. He's so handsome. He's an orange boy for those. He's, who, a, uh, he's an orange boy, but ooh. he's not dumb. Everyone says the orange boys is dumb. Not that he took the smarts from the, all the other orange. No, boys. he he has more in common with Penny Lane than I think a lot of the other. He, he's more Garfield and Penny Lane than I think like. <laughs> A lot of the other boy cats, you know, boy orange cats. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if well, like, I mean, I, I'm also just curious, like how your YouTube has, you know, because you've been doing tons of podcasts, but I feel like 
it's been really exciting to watch your YouTube videos and see that community that you've been fostering in the comments and stuff. And yeah, yeah, it's been interesting. It's been interesting. I would say this year was not good. 2023 was not the best. I mean, it hasn't been a great year for most people. No, I know it has not, but you know, it's, uh, there's been some growing pains just to say that. And it's just, I think where I'm in a good spot now where it's, you know, I finally got a good group of people and I'm finally like, Things are going better in the future, I think. But it was just there were growing pains or, you know, sometimes you work with people and you don't get along with them as well. Sure. And like all, all the, the, the intricacies of cre- being a creative in, in like any platform. Right. Like sometimes yeah. you go like, oh, I thought we had a good repartee, but turns out we just don't like each other. And it's like that stuff happens. Right. It's just yeah. natural, natural selection almost of making something and, and moving forward. So it's been an interesting transition transition period for me for that reason because it's been like a a year where like a lot of kind of crappiness stuff happens and like even like that's like even attached to like people who I was close to on the platform one of them like passed away like so like there was like growing pains even even in like in in like real real horrible sad things so it's just interesting trying to like figure out what's next you know trying to trying to figure out what's next what's best for me it's just like because you know, my stroke, like I'm still suffering from the after effects of that. So like some days if it's like raining, like I just can't do nothing. Like it's just like, I have so many days where I'm like half of my body just does not want to do anything. And I just kind of lay down and it's just like, I can't do anything. So it's just trying to figure out what's a good method. And what's nice about having a Patreon is that most of people just understand like, Hey, if you can't do it today, don't worry. It's fine. And it's like, Oh, that's nice. Cause they just want to support you. So they're there more of the, create a community than they are to like be like give me my content right yeah. there and I'll get my pitchfork out well and i always feel like you know uh, you know in the age of parasocial relationship i feel like yeah i don't know it's one of those things where yeah that's a tricky I, road to, to balance but, for sure, but it for sure. but it's that thing of like you would like to think that that the grace that you give could be afforded to you and it's not like something you expect but it's just like it's just like it's like if I'm chill, hopefully that attitude. Yeah, you know, that's kind of that's kind of where I've gotten. I've like just been like, just chill, just chill. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, it's hard though because you know, again, it's like that thing where a lot of times you also hold yourself up to a high standard, and yeah. sometimes you can hold other people up to that, but then other times you can be like, but I don't hold like I I give a lot of grace. How come nobody gives me grace? It's it's all the kind of natural stuff that I feel like, yeah, I mean, I definitely felt very humbled in that sense of like, I mean, I feel very thankful that anybody has come back to listen to the Jurassic Pod after like, I think, I think the first, the, I did one, I did one episode like at the be- at the end of January and it was about Super yeah. Mario World, the <laughs> Nintendo World. And then so which it's like vaguely, you know, because of Universal and then like literally did nothing until October. So I, I hope to move through. 2024 with a sense of like i I just it's like we just gotta i just want to find the kernels of fun that we can and and what's actually like what's actually engaging versus yes yes it's like maybe this isn't the best for seo and algorithms but like 
you know, I just would rather have a good conversation with somebody instead of trying to reach a million people or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And a good thing of that, that is like the other night I was like hanging out with a friend on, a, on like a live stream for like, for like a YouTube thing. And like, we only had like eight people who were like on at the time, but like in her comments, like everyone was like making t-shirts of the funny things you're going to say. And like, on all this stuff, like where it's like, there That's was so, so much like engagement and like everyone was clearly having a great time where you're like, Oh, like I probably enjoy this better than if had I been like 2000 rando people. Right. Like, it's just like, you, you know, it's sometimes it's a smaller, smaller audience, but there can be more engaged and they can more be like really excited to talk to you. And like, and it can just be more fun sometimes. So it's just trying to get into the headspace of like, I know, but like for you though, you gotta, you gotta live. So like, I hope you get like a, a livable version of that. No, I mean, you know? you know, it's, it's, yeah, there's all that layer to it as well. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, again, it's, you look at the different eras. I was tweeting about this recently of like, how would I have made content if I was born when Karen Kilgariff was born? If I was born right. in, you know, the seventies, if I was born in like, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, phonographs if, if, if we were born in like 1915, you know, and like, yeah. oh wow. like I would, I would still be the same person in theory, but like, the conditions and the situation I grew up in would obviously be very affected and the technology. Yeah. I imagine you in the seventies, you have like a bus that's like painted all psychedelic <laughs> colors and it's like the cat bus. And it's like, you know, you go and you like have like a pirate radio station that you just like, you know, run from the freaking bus. And every time you just like show up and there's like just a full of, cats like yeah it's like welcome to the cat bus and i'm here steven ram up oh i even figure out how to get it be like the actual cat bus where like when the door opens it's like a weird fleshy oh, yeah. like <laughs> that sound it makes it goes <laughs> i think that's what the i think that's my most successful tiktok is me doing that impression of cat bus but, <laughs> but you know it's it's just that thing of like it's exciting at the same time to know that like in any era I would still have the drive to create stuff, but it's, but I think thinking about it in that way makes me a little bit more forgiving on myself. Yeah. And again, a little, I mean, a little bit before we started podcasting, just like the ways that people who are 20 years old that need to create now. Oh, I love yeah. hysteria's like the little <laughs> sock sticking up, but it's just, yeah, it's just like, it's it's that thing all the time of like, you know, I just don't ever want to be that person that's like, oh, kids today, you know. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, exactly. they have it so, it's, it's like, no, they have it so much harder in some ways where I mean, it's just different every era. And it's yeah. like, imagine having to start competing with the algorithm. It's just like that, yeah, would feel insurmount that, that feels insurmountable <laughs> to me, whereas like, like. Again, uh, like when, when I started creating content, like, you know, YouTube was brand new, like my sophomore yeah. year of college. And it was like, you know, if you, you know, it was never a guarantee, but like, if you, you know, did this, you know, maybe did hashtag whatever, like, and you, you engaged honestly that you could, you know, get to some place. Whereas like now it's like, I'm, I'm like the, uh, speaking of Stephen King, I'm like the guy who gets out of prison after like 90 years. He's just like, Oh, I don't know what anything is anymore. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> like I'm, I'm from a different time. I don't belong yeah. in this era anymore. And it's just, I, I just think it's like, we can't, I mean, we can, we can't get mad at everybody and just screw everybody. But I, I guess for me, it's like, I just, I don't, I want to be able to, 
to focus on the things that matter. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I have this feeling that like if I was born in the early 1900s, you, you have you ever like gone back and like those like cryptid people like where like one person is like, I believe Bigfoot is like this. And then there's like his arch nemesis and it's like, well, I believe because of this uh, Bigfoot photograph I found here, <laughs> but it actually moves like this. And it's like this like and they just have like competing letter articles like yes. in like a, a journal and i'm like that probably would have been me like i would have had like a nemesis where i'm like hey, excuse me godzilla would never do this yeah yeah <laughs> i'd be institutionalized man has too many cats uh, <laughs> i mean yeah they definitely do that for me too <laughs> uh, yeah any any neurodivergent people were screwed but i mean <laughs> that aside but uh, I mean, that just reminds me. I mean, again, one of my favorite Bone Wars stories. Oh, yeah. you Bone know, Wars. Which I was thinking about, uh, too, of like, other than like medical, I feel like paleontology is like, lo- they love to dramatize the field itself, which I mean, that's Jurassic Park. But like, well, yeah, I guess it's just because like, doing the work is not the most interesting to watch because it's like very very slow like toothbrush yeah yeah but i mean it's still seen as cooler than like there's no movies well there might be i want to hear is there any movies about microbiologists or Uh, well wasn't that like early early Crichton, like the andronomus train and stuff that that kind of i guess that might be microbiology that might actually be microbiology that you say that but then you know this is the year of uh oppenheimer where it's a movie about physicists And, you know, and all that. And um, the Bone Wars, my favorite thing is like one of the scientists put the um, put the sauropod tail where the head should be and the (laughs) tail where the head, you know, flip the tail and the neck. And then they're like (laughs) unveiling it. And then the other scientist, his rival was like, you put it on backwards, you silly, silly, silly sausage. (laughs) And he's like, no, I did. And then he like ran out of the room, like humiliated. And it's like, I'm just, I know there's drama like that, you know? I mean, obviously, on a more serious note, like, on, at some point, like, are they going to make the Black Birder story, you know, about that scientist who's that Karen? Like, is, is like, Meryl Streep going to play the Karen? Like, are we going to dramatize this into a movie? Like, if it helps shed light on issues, maybe, but hopefully right. it isn't, you know? Yeah. Again, you know, when you, we live in the era, too, of, like, you know, scientists watching movies and being like, you know, but then, but honestly, I, it's like, I've, I've always so conflicted because there's so many YouTube videos that get recommended, like a man who uses guns says, what is this? How good these guns are? And I'm like, I don't care. It's a, it's a sci-fi movie. They go, well, boo and boo, boo. but it does matter to an extent because it's real life stuff, right? Like, yeah. Especially if it's like, uh, you know, going out, like, is this depiction of this job accurate? And it's like, that's actually useful information. I'm just, yeah. A, and a, you can see a like, movie like that shedding light on that situation yeah whereas like common descent like it's a a podcast on not just paleontology but you know evolution and they go into all these great topics you know about the history of life on earth uh and all that good stuff and like on this podcast tending to interview scientists and yes uh, and it's that thing of like where a lot of them are like they're movies that we they can't hold up to the rigor of you know, of real life, you know, like, yeah, that's, that's my, like, so like say Jurassic park versus like actual, like 
scientifically accurate thing. I always view Jurassic Park as like, it's movie dinosaurs because it's just as much about creating movies, especially that first one. It's like just as much about the creative process. Like you could read a lot of that just being about the creative process of filmmaking or any creative process, really. Uh, like in terms of like, oh, the fleas and talking about yeah, the fleas yeah. and like they have the, ma- the imaginations of theater and all that stuff. Whereas like, you know, Walking with dinosaurs, yeah, I would love. I have watched videos where someone goes through and talks about any inaccuracies with walking with dinosaurs, and like goes to it in detail. And like a lot of times, it's like, hey, they didn't know this at this time, but this is what this, this is. And like that stuff is really interesting to me because that's a documentary. It's like trying to cr- present how life would have been like back then. So like, I think it's valuable to be like, have the, that separation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the separation between church and state, but it's like movie dinosaurs and like <laughs> documentary well, real dinosaurs. Yeah. It's, it's, we, I mean, we just get into this, you know, stage of it's, it's hard to admit your flaws because sometimes you don't, if you admit your flaws, then other people could take advantage of that or jump on you. Right. So that's there true. is that's this, true. there is this like thing where, you know, one of the funniest things, Ever, you know, and I think somebody like Colin Trevorrow has obviously, I think just professionally, you can, and I've been kind of obsessed with it, but you can professionally tell, again, I don't, I've met him once or no, twice. I met him twice because at the Jurassic World Dominion premiere, Perry Nimroff introduced me as the biggest Jurassic Park fan to Colin Trevorrow. And I was like, that's too much pressure. (laughs) And he's probably like, I don't care. But uh, (laughs) no, he's a very sweet person. And I can tell professionally, he's somebody who is actually... I feel like maybe kind of has these kind of conversations because he is somebody who's like, you can tell has grown in his art because like, remember the first thing he tweeted as director was no feathers to then all the way back. It like, finally, by the time we get to dominion, like showing feathers, really getting into the science Jurassic world dominion is a movie where they're saying the dinosaurs names with the period, you know, with the era they're from, you know, Cretaceous. like I've, I've said that a bunch where it's like, it's not bad to admit your weaknesses. No, no, it's not. It's not. I, it, and it's just like, you know, it It all kind of depends on the movie, too, right? Like, it's like, you know, now that you're going into talking about peasants, that's cool. Like, I'm I'm all for, like, changes and, like, things like that. So I'm not like, they could only be dragging their tails. That's the only dinosaurs I accept. Yeah. And they oh, have I to dance. Good, I love a good dragon tail. <laughs> they uh, have to be joiced by John Goodman. Those are the only dinosaurs I accept. Like, <laughs> about happy 30th anniversary. We're back. It was like a month oh. ago. It's not back. No one remembers. Uh, <laughs> There's this movie that I had a really good time with last year called Claw. Have you have you heard no, about Claw? No, I haven't heard of it at all. It's about like these friendships, and one of them is like a comedian, and blah, blah blah. And they like they get stopped in the desert, and they like have to like go and ask somebody for help. And it turns out that person has a dinosaur, like has a like Velociraptor Whoa. in the thing. I'm and like watch it's, this. And like the effects are not like super, super good, but like the acting's really good. And like I found the characters very kind of like heartwarming and charming. And like I enjoyed following their story. And it was like one of those things where it's like, yeah, like the Velociraptor is not going to be super accurate because that's not really what the movie's about. You know what I mean? Like it's just like, it's about to be like a, like a, oh, we're doing it like kind of like an old school Jurassic Park. Like, oh, isn't it scary? There's like one dinosaur like creeping about and these two people are trying to survive. And like it takes them out, takes some people out stuff like that so wow that sounds awesome well that's yeah. i mean again i think i initially pitched you this as like recommends of stuff to check out which we've kind of <laughs> we kind of did as the episode, yeah, some we big stuff to or you know just some stuff to kind of think about and look some about. hot movie novelizations that are just gonna be flying off the shelves as soon as the episode goes up i mean i have i have the novelizations for all six jurassic world movies and i've kind of i mean i've read 
The Lost World one was one that I read the most as a kid. Like that yeah, one, I still, I that's too. my childhood copy. Yeah. Whereas wow, Jurassic, really? Jurassic Park, I got it later in life. JP3, I got later in life. Obviously the Jurassic World movies, but like, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do a, well, those are junior novelizations. So those aren't right. even movie novelizations. They're junior novelizations. Juniors. But I mean, I but they've come. changed stuff in them. That is you know? cool. That yeah. Is there's cool. like stuff that's different. Like it's implied. In the lost world that remember the ending like sort of diorama scene where it's kind of panning over it's implied that like that's kelly's dream so oh, like interesting yeah. little so, weird things that are changed yeah so stuff like that but no claw i'll definitely check that out that's yeah, really claw's exciting fun. and i mean obviously i we don't there is no release date yet for jp survival well, maybe there is by the time this episode comes out. Yeah, I don't you never think, know. I don't, with video games, I don't think things change. And like things in video games change quarterly. They don't change day to day. Yeah, day-to-day yeah it's not going to be like a, a Netflix thing where it's like, oh, you see that ad on the Super Bowl? Well, now you can go home and watch the movie. Yeah, yeah. Or no, get exactly. it the next day because it was really bad. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, it's like I'm not even sure when I'm going to get the limited run, you know, re-releases of all those. I'm like, because I first thought for some reason it was coming out. Like I thought I was like getting it in like a week or two. And then it was like squinting like quarter four 2024 oh god damn it which fine it's fine and, you know it was just one of those things i was just you know but i yeah i guess i yeah um for 2024 is there anything as far as like even just lit wise or stuff oh, that goodness. you want to do for your channel or stuff that you're just thinking about or keeping in mind again i remember way back in the day when i first started listening to uh, Georgia Hardstark and Allie Ward's podcast, Slumber Party. I wrote in on a New Year's episode of like, because they were saying like, how how do like, what's your how do you interpret New Year's resolutions or that kind of thing? And I very much, I always feel like I have like a there's an ethereal resolution which is like live with intentionality, like I said, you know that kind of stuff. Give yourself more grace, and then there's also the like, uh, I'm gonna read 52 books. You know, I'm going to kill one man and watch the light leave his eyes, you know, know, all the the classic, you know, classic goals. Everyone got those goals. We all know. We all know. Hell of a Um, thing. Killing a man, you know, (laughs) I'm going to pet 52 cats. I don't know. Um, I I bet you can do that one. But yeah, there's always like either you do one or the other. You try and do one of each. So, yeah, what's what's that for you? So I did a thing uh, like recently on my thing because I was thinking about the new year and I did. I went through my book collection and I picked out 100 books I want to read in 2024. And the idea is (laughs) and the idea is basically like if I only get to like 20 of these, like that's fine. These are all, these are, it's just like pure aspirational and like no, no pressure to it. So like the idea is like, I always like to go wait. Cause normally what people do is they do 24 books to read in 2024. So I went ham and just did like, oh, and my goal is to get 24 out of those hundred books. Right. Okay. And if I do that, that's an, that's a cool accomplishment, but I give myself so many options that like, Oh, I'm not feeling it this way. Oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to do this. So it's like, it just, it gives you more options and you can kind of like, I I think that like if you attach maybe even more aspirational goals with a more laissez-faire attitude, you can and you you'll be ha- and make it so that you're you'd be happy if you only reach half of the goal or only reach like a third of the goal. But it doesn't mean you can't have a, an amazing crazy goal. But it just have to be a person like you. Just have to go in with a mindset like if I even achieve like a tenth of this goal, that's awesome. Like that's yeah. an achievement. Like. 
that's I'm super proud of that. And that's kind of where I'm trying to go in my oh, brain that. and like trying to go like, here's an amazing cray cray. If you got this, that would be amazing. But hey, if you only got like a half of it or even a quarter, like that's still amazing. You still did it. That's still awesome. So like kind of trying to be like both super aspirational and then also being okay with the realistic end yeah. of things. That's um, great. I also really want to read, have another month where I like fully immerse myself in the dinosaur fiction again. Cause I have a lot of dinosaur books that I need to get to. And like, I have dinosaurs books that are like nonfiction that I want to get to. And then I want to like compare it to something that's like pure goofy trash. Like there's a book I have that's like, yo, what if Napoleon fought dinosaurs? And it's like, it's, it's just Waterloo, but there's uh velociraptors. The other well, people are riding velociraptors and coming to take out uh, <laughs> Napoleon. Well, you know, uh, Star Wars High Republic author Daniel Jose Daniel Jose Older, he wrote a, before he was writing the High Republic. He wrote a series of like Civil War and dinosaurs. Oh yeah, that's a, that's another one. Like it's like something called like the Lost Regiment. I think is like one something like, like one that. Of the names. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but I'll, yeah, I'll, but yeah, I, I, it's just always such a pleasing notion of like. Uh, well, I mean. Uh, when Luce, Tomlin Brenner, and I did our annual Halloween episode this year, we learned that there is a contingent of cryptid slash modern day dinosaur people that use that as proof that God is real because it means that gen like that. Oh you know, no! Yes, it's like I a whole Genesis thing that, where, where it's like, like dinosaurs no. were actually in the Garden of Eden and all this stuff. But <laughs> there is something so delightful about it in fiction. In again, fiction, that's in the, fiction. Part one of the themes of this episode. There's also a series called like the Dinosaur Knight, the Dinosaur Lord. It's like a, it's like supposed to be like Game of Thrones, but they got dinosaurs. Like it's supposed to be like, it's supposed to be like, you know, a, a Game of Thrones esque fantasy where it's like supposed to be like very serious. Like, this is house, blah, blah, blah. But like they got dinosaurs. And I'm like, hello. That's what Dinotopia is. That's what, you know, again. Oh, yeah. Not, I mean, not, not an ad, of course. You'll, you can see all the stuff I've done with magic. But one of the things I've loved about their, their Lost Caverns of Ixalan is that it's kind of like, you know, a fantasy with dinosaurs, you know, it's a Mesoamerican yeah. themed fantasy, but you know, it's that idea of like, I want dinosaurs wearing robes. God damn it. Yes. I, and I want to read some more Dinotopia books. So the one Dinotopia <sighs> book I read, I really enjoyed. It was a uh, sweet book. This is my childhood Dinotopia. Oh, so see? I don't know why there's a big awesome. X across the sauropod. Maybe it's just to note that this was mine, but <laughs> no, that was in your punk era where you're like, no dinosaurs. But like, this is like truly. Again, dinosaurs wearing robes, dinosaurs having given high fives, and it's all yes. very Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, here we go. Here's like um, here's like a Game of Thrones thing. Like, I'm going to watch you before your very eyes, Andrew. It's a street scene. There's like I a kid it. like with like a little stick and I hoop and a little it. like compy. Oh and then there's uh, stegosauruses and styracosauruses and brachiosaurs wearing armor and robes and flowers and stuff. And it's just like a whole society. That's um, amazing. But in, oh, go ahead. in Warhammer 40k, there's a faction that is like elves, but like their idea of like basically night elves are basically elves that have dinosaurs. Well, and like their entire faction is space elves that they ride dinosaurs. <laughs> They're called like the Exodite Eldar and it's maximum goofy. It's like, oh, yeah, an elf just riding a T-Rex going to eat your space marine. And I'm like, yes, queen, eat him, eat him. Uh. <laughs> I know. See, we may not get a new Jurassic Park movie next year, but like there's so much dinosaur there's stuff out so there. There's so much dinosaur that, that stuff we, out there. You know, again, I think I've talked recently, you know, it, it, mainstream level, it's hard to see anything outside Jurassic Park. But if you look a little deeper, there's a lot out there. So that's awesome. That's so cool. 
Yeah, and, and again, like, I, not all of it is trash. You know, I talk a lot <laughs> about trash, but there is, like, some really cool art and, like, just, you know, that Dinotopia thing you just showed me. No, James Gurney is a genius. Yeah. yeah, that's, like, pure art. Like, that is beautiful vistas drawn extremely well, very creative, and, like, you know, I, li- I like a good thing once in a while, too, okay? You know, I, you know, <laughs> dinosaurs can be it all, and my tastes can sometimes branch out to things that are not trash, but... I mean, you always speak about it so eloquently, so, and humorously, and genuinely, so it's always a joy to hear you talk about thank anything, you. really, but... Thank you. No, I thank you again for coming again, of course. And then, yeah, I was just going to say for myself that, you know, I think, again, a big part of this episode was this research, was engaging with their stuff. And it has been really fun to do all these research. Again, I'm just going to keep holding these books up to prove that I did it. You did it. But it's that thing of like, I think I'm too often somebody where I'm like excited about this stuff. But, you know, it's like. It's that it's the difference between having the collection and actually engaging with it better. So I I'm definitely want to try showing off in that way of like not showing off, but like being like, hey, here's this really cool like here's Dinotopia, here's like this childhood Mementiosaurus book, like all that kind of stuff. Like this is exciting, and there's cool stuff that we can glean from it because you know i think people are starting to realize now that the internet isn't this like limitless place and that right. there's there's so much contained in a good book you know like it's true it is really true though like there is like there is something to like especially if you're doing research projects like research, like it's like even having a, an e-copy it's better i always find it better if i'm doing hardcore research i always find it better to have a physical copy because you can put like a, a footnote in there and you can just flip back and it's also like I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just because, you know, I've watched so many like Indiana Jones movies and like the mummy movies or whatever. Like to me, it's like, I'm reading a book. I'm being awesome. Like, I'm just like, Ooh, look at me. Like I got, I'm going through these ancient tomes. Like it just, you just feel cooler. Well, and it's that exciting thing where this is a good, I think this is a good example of like when I graduated from high school, I digitized like a handful of childhood photos and recently, just going back to my dad's place in Orange County, like I've I've been holding on to this like one childhood photo of this event. And then I found a, 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 a you know, a photo album of like 20 photos from that day. Oh, that's awesome. Like, in my head, it's like over the years that kind of like and also, I mean, obviously, I scanned it 20 years ago now. So right. the resolution yeah, of that and stuff. But it's just like I think we're reaching a point of like we've the the sources have looped back on themselves so many times that I think we're all really hungry for new perspectives, fresh takes, more information on these kind of apocryphal stories. And we want to go back to the source. Yes, exactly. And one of the one of the, the maximum values uh, of doing something like this is using your library, because libraries are this amazing thing where now libraries are actually one of the best community centers for people to go to. Because it's like if you are someone who's like in the unhoused population, like you can go be warm in the winter. You can use computers at the library to like oh, print it. out things and like all of these very essential things are like almost like that's not what it's designed for but it's allowed to happen because people are going and reading the books and like putting money into the local libraries and like that's using their facilities and like that it's one of those things where it's like it, it's really simple but it's free 
Like you yeah. just getting a book out, it's free. You read a book, you bring it back, but you're like creating jobs and creating places for people who really need it to go. And there's not a lot of places of those nowadays, unfortunately. Yeah. Getting harder and harder out there. No, no. I mean, again, it's, yeah, we're trying to foster the communities that we want to see in the world. So I, I, back in the day, did you ever have those, like, uh, those old go to the library posters? Like, yeah, yeah. There was, I remember the one with Yoda where he's just like sitting on the thing and he's like, hmm, read you well. Expand yeah, yeah. your mind, your child. And it's I, just like, yeah. <laughs> I have the those. Princess Leia. Oh, yes. Reading I, my I, only hope. Right. Yes. I think I actually, I might actually own a version of that because you sent me the link and I bought yeah, yeah. it. Yes. Okay. So okay. it's somewhere in there. I got to go. <laughs> Again, we got to pull everything out and just be <laughs> yeah, like, what, exactly. what do we have? Even in our own collections, those mysterious yeah. things. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. Where can people you. follow you, find you, engage you with you? You can engage with me on the YouTubers. It came from the page on YouTube. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm Wisteria Queen of the Paperbacks, which just confuses people because that's what I use for all of my things that I've had people on YouTube be like, we don't know where to find you. Who? You're not a cat. I'm like, I am actually. Yeah. <laughs> so jokes on you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, you know, those are my two main things where I, one, I mostly post cats and post pictures of cats beside books that I'm reading. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Perfect. on uh, YouTube's, I just do whatevs. Yeah, whatevs. You never know. You never know. Just have fun. Every day's fun. Um, well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Yeah, you listener, right there. I'm looking at you. Yeah, you. Thank you. I really appreciate you. Uh, Hold on to your butts until next time, and I'll see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.